Hi, I'm Dirk Friel, co-founder of Training Peaks, and you're listening to the Training Peaks Coachcast. I'll be sitting down with expert endurance coaches and amazing athletes, each with special stories to tell. At its heart, Training Peaks is about helping you create the best journey possible towards your endurance goals. We hope these stories inspire you to get out there, train with purpose, and never be afraid to sign up for that next big challenge. In this sprint episode of the CoachCast, we spotlight a Training Peaks coach that has been giving back to the triathlon community for decades. Shelly O'Brien is the head coach of Icon One Multisport in San Antonio, Texas, and was recently named a 2020 USA Triathlon Coach Educator of the Year. Throughout her career, She has dedicated thousands of hours educating triathlon coaches within more than 50 USAT coach certification clinics. I'm especially proud to say she has been a Training Peaks coach for 18 years. I hope you enjoy the show and can gain some valuable knowledge to implement within your training or coaching. Shelly, Shelly O'Brien, thank you so much for joining me today. When when I saw USAT sent out a press release last week saying that you were chosen as one of the USA Triathlon Coach Educators of the Year, um, and seeing how long you've been a, a coach on Training Peaks, I just I, I just really had to reach out and get you on the Coach Cast. So thank you so much for for accepting and joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you for reaching out. Yeah, you know, you have been on Training Peaks since I believe 2003, long time. You are one of the original coaches, if you know, and uh, I think there's so much, so much interesting background story to how you got into coaching and just your diversity of sports and, and every, your, your education and all. So I think um be awesome to kind of start with how did you even get started in triathlon. I saw a history around pentathlon being a sport in your background. Yes. So I grew up um, as a runner and riding horses and a bit of a country girl. So shooting wasn't that far-fetched. Yeah. We happened to do that a lot. So um, I, due to that and due to the fact that I was part of U.S. Pony Club, that eventually led me to Tetrathlon and one of my national titles um, in sport. I have four. And then that led me to pentathlon. And pentathlon, then through that, I moved to San Antonio, Texas, because at the time, back in the late 80s, early 90s, this was the Olympic training base. And I moved here on the promise after college that they would put us in the 1996 games. Well, they didn't do that. So overnight, wow. all of our funding was taken away from us. And it was it was a rough time. I'm not going to say that it wasn't. And I was doing very, yeah. very well. I had won the 1995 U.S. Olympic Festival. I had to kind of pivot and figure out what I was going to do. Fortunately, I yeah. had many, many friends that were also doing multi-sport. So they said, well, come ride a bike. I said, are you kidding me? I ride horses. So <laughs> anyway, they talked me into it. And um, the rest is, is kind of storied. But I'm so grateful to that journey and the friendships that I had that brought me to the sport of triathlon because it's been wonderful. Yeah. What was your first experience in a race like, or what, what was your first race? Oh my goodness. It was the Corpus Christi triathlon. Mm, And I'll never forget that that because it Mm -hmm. was an eye opening experience for me. I, first of all, coming from a pool swimming background, because I did swim in college 
And then pentathlon is very pool based. It was, I understand, and I have a lot of empathy for athletes that then transition to open water because there is no way to orient yourself. And it's a little unnerving. And I'll never forget the first time I put my face in the water in Corpus Christi, and it's brine. And tasting that salt, tasting, <laughs> I thought I was right. crazy. I thought, oh, Lord, what have I gotten into? <laughs> and I couldn't wait to get to the run because I thought, oh, my God, that's the one part of this I feel like I can really do. And then when I got off the bike, I was like, oh, my word, what happened to my legs? <laughs> so <laughs> fortunately, it was a sprint. I did really, really well, um, but not because I really knew what I was doing. But I think I got hooked. <laughs> I just kept going. So how long did it take you to then jump to coaching within triathlon? How, how did that come about? I actually, ironically, was working as a personal trainer. So I've been a personal trainer since 1990. And mm-hmm. I was working with some triathletes to help improve their run, even oh. before I became a triathlete. But I really <laughs> started... Um, coaching triathletes very seriously in 1998. And then that progressed into coaching other coaches. You know, you've taught over, I think, 50 certification courses now. Um, that had to be a large part of, of your workload. And, and, you know, how did you get into um, the coach certification um, curriculum and, and teaching those? I think how it all started was I was working with some athletes that wanted to learn more about coaching. And at the time I encouraged them to get track and field certifications or uh, swimming certifications or cycling certificate, you know, go out and get something that fit what they wanted to do. So I was working with my own athletes and mentoring them to take on others because I couldn't help everyone that wanted my help. So it, fit better if I encouraged them to start even their own businesses. They didn't work under my name. I mentored them, but I encouraged them. And some of them today have gone on and become, you know, their own coaches. I can remember in 2000 and I think early mid 2000s, I was asked by the person at USA triathlon to do a coach certification in Austin, which is not very far from San Antonio. It was local and they, They knew my background and they needed me to come in and teach a class that is probably one of the hardest and that's periodization. I must've done well enough because I taught periodization and still teach periodization (laughs) for USA triathlon. But for many, many years, I was on the road at least once a month, sometimes twice a month, uh, probably for a period of about four or five years, teaching the certification classes for USAT level one, It was very different back then because many of the individuals in the class were also athletes. There weren't any Mm -hmm. other coaching certifications. There wasn't the internet that was as developed as it is right now. There wasn't the plethora of information available. So therefore, individuals were craving information. Through that time, I can also say what is offered within the sport is very, very different. When I started, you didn't have to qualify for Kona. You signed up for Kona (laughs) and competed. I mean, there was no wait list. And so it was always age group, local age group. And the next step I feel that really legitimized triathlon was in 2000 when we became part of the Olympic games. 
Then it was, you know, draft legal and short course. And what does that mean? And that added another aspect to the sport of triathlon. And that was fun. Um, I worked very, very closely with some of our high level athletes and coaches. And I trained at the Olympic Training Center with some of our coaches and stuff then. And the next level of development then was youth and juniors because we had an Olympic development pipeline to create. So I was part of that very early on. And I'm fortunate to be a part of all of that as yeah. we've gone along. So helping coaches figure out what their niche is today and how to progress and what direction to go and even how to market is very different than it was back when I started. When I started, you were a triathlete and that was kind yeah. of the end of it. And that was also kind of back when people would ask you, so do you do the real triathlon, which means <laughs> the Iron <Right>. Man? <laughs> you just smile and laugh and go, well, maybe. <laughs> Well, I know, but it, I, I see that as a detriment in so many ways as well. That you know, you're not an Ironman, or you're not a triathlete unless you've done Ironman. And if that's out there in the general public's mind, you know, no, you don't have to do that to be a triathlete. You can live the, the triathlon lifestyle and and do the sprint. But not not enough people kind of know about that. So um, it sounds like you've experienced that as well. Like, you know, no, I'm a triathlete because I've done shorter races too. I did early on. I mean, I will admit, you know, back in 2000, just because it was the sport wasn't as vast as it is now. There are so many more people who now have had access to the sport. And now we've had a few rotations through the Olympic quad and more. And we even have a gold medalist. So there's a lot more knowledge about there through the sport of triathlon. I don't find that comment near as common as it used to be. Yeah. And tell us about the USA, the, the talent ID. I saw you were a coordinator of the talent ID program. Um, how, you know, how does USA triathlon go about um, searching out the, the next generation of, of gold medalists? Well, that too has evolved. So the position that I had as an athlete development coordinator is no longer, we would hold um, camps for athletes that maybe had shown a certain endeavor in swimming or running or, you know, we're doing quite well in triathlon themselves, in triathlon itself. So we would talk to the parents and talk to the athletes and just try to figure out kind of where they wanted to go in terms of athletic pursuit. And then we may invite them on to do um, high level camps, which I also hosted, which was our national junior select camp and national skills camp. And you could get special invitations and come in and we would assess and evaluate the athletes through those. Now, today they have realigned the regions and they have other junior programming, but they also have what's called a collegiate recruitment program. So athletes that have expired their uh, collegiate career and are Mm -hmm. looking to still compete either in running or swimming then they are encouraged to try triathlon. And that has been met with some success too. And I think it's great to do that because those athletes, although they may or may not choose to become triathletes themselves or choose to do it professionally, they may stay in it as an age grouper or they may choose to stay in it as a a coach or as um, a race director or hold clinics. And I think it's just really done a a fantastic service to our sport to help broaden the support base, not just our elite individuals. Absolutely. I've told parents that I, that I know have 
uh, kids in college swimming, you know, Hey, this is an option for your child, you know, after college, if they have interest. So I'd love to hear more about, um, the growth of your business. You started, you're a personal trainer. Um, this coaching kind of grew out of that. It sounds like the personal training background and you start, I'm assuming triathletes, but do you, do you have other sports that you coach as well besides, um, triathlon? Actually I do. So very interesting how that did evolve. Um, I started off many, many years ago with a degree in sports medicine and was headed down a very different track. But when I decided to become a professional pentathlete, just because of the number of hours it takes to train the five sports yeah. and do well, right. you, I just had no time. So personal training fit really, really well, and I could get a job doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> quite honestly. So I immediately found a niche with people that needed physical therapy type um, approach. You know, they they couldn't really do what many people think of as a gym as true strength training, but they still wanted to maintain an active lifestyle. So I became a personal trainer. Then with that, um, my goodness, that just evolved then into triathlon coaching. So then I had two, I've always had two parallel and I call them parallel uh, tracks to my business career. And one of them is the triathlon coaching business, but the personal training side, I've always maintained a pre rehab, post rehab, sometimes I'll call it functional strength. And I work with young to my oldest clients, 98 years old in that aspect of my business. So it works really, really well with the athletes because I understand the human body from a biomechanic, physiologic, metabolic standpoint. And what type of services do you offer within, let's just narrow it down to triathlon coaching, um, you know, one-on-one premium training plans, consultations, you know, what, what, how do you kind of segment out your, your services and, or what, what do you currently offer? Right now, what I'm offering are, we do do some clinics and we're beginning to open those up again. Um, I know that we just had to rethink our running and swimming clinic in Florida, but I do travel. So if individuals want me to travel and some people do, they hire me individually to come work with their club and the individuals there, or I do mainly one-on-one coaching online. So I specialize in the individual. What does the individual need? What does the individual need to accomplish the goal that they have? I have done canned um, group training as well at various times. I don't currently do that. I have also done training plan design, but I pulled a lot of those things off. I I really would like to revamp given especially Mm -hmm. COVID and giving given kind of the restrictions that people are finding. I have kind of stepped back away from those online and I've pulled them off. So those will be coming back. Uh-huh. It's I do a lot of video analysis. So individuals will call me. As a matter of fact, I work with other coaches. They'll say, hey, I've got an athlete that's challenged with swim, run. Those are typically it. And can you help with the video analysis? And I offer suggestions and offer the coach some maybe some suggestions, the athlete suggestions, and then let them go. And then I'm just there for consults. So obviously with the your background in strength training, I assume, basically, I would assume, does every athlete that come to you get a strength program first off? Yes. 
are you are you going through an assessment? You know, and, and does everybody start out with the same st- basic strength program and then progress from there? When you as you follow their results and pr- progression, walk me through how you how you get people set up uh, in strength programs. I think I need to define strength. Yeah. There is a thought that strength is all about the amount of force or power you can create, which is true. Absolutely true. However, wrapped into strength in my world is a balanced athlete. And I feel, and what I have found is that an athlete who is balanced and can anchor, let's say the force of an exertion is actually the one who's going to, who will be more efficient and less prone to injury. So here's an example. Um, if you go through a neurologic integration, just warm up pattern, you may be able to go, an individual may be able to go and do a single legs press. Let's just do it on a leg press at mm-hmm. 50 pounds. And again, I don't know what a person can do, but if you, if you go through a neurologic integration warm up, you may be able to go over there and do 70 pounds. And it's not that you've improved that much, you know, in terms of uh, strength and, and really hard work. But what you've done is you've become a lot more efficient in how you utilize what your body has to give. So you now recruit your muscle fibers a little bit better. Your maybe the connection to the brain and the muscles is a little bit stronger. You may recruit the muscles in the correct order. You may have a different mindset in terms of, okay, this is what I can do and the confidence of what your body can do, especially if you're coming off of an injury. So for me, strength, if you define it, is actually a balanced athlete that is far more than just a muscular system that's involved. It is a psychologic, um, neurologic, definitely neurologic, musculoskeletal, and even equilibrium type program design that I have found super effective. And I really didn't even really know how effective it was until I really did start working with some of these para um, athletes. And I thought, Oh, wow, this is, this is really amazing. And I started applying that to even more of my um, able-bodied and it's fabulous. I mean, they will gain speed on the run in no time. And it's not that we run more. They're just more balanced. Yeah. I love the thought around efficiency of movement um, and you, you mentioned injury risk, you know, it's not about getting big muscles, but it's about strengthening the body and that efficiency of movement. So we can have healthier, longer careers as well as go faster at the same time. <laughs> I, th- I think a lot of athletes just, it just sometimes in their head, they feel like it's just wasted time. It's like, I should be out there on the bike. I should be out there running, you know, and helping them walk through the mental side of why you would put time into this strength movement program um, is probably one of the biggest hurdles you have. I mean, it is. Yeah. And and I just had an athlete referred to me. She is at a very young age um, has osteopenia and she's an mm. Ironman pro. She said, I can't run. I said, well, let's just rethink this. And through a lot less running, very, um, efficient, effective, and very concentrated work. She's running faster and without pain 
than she's run in a very long time. That's and awesome. it's, it's really been an eye opener to her because she thought she was really dealing with a career ending um, challenge. And I said, well, maybe mm-hmm. you are, but I'm, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't have a, a magic ball mm-hmm. in front of me, but I, I will happily give you a different approach that may give you more longevity. I have many other people that have said to me, Oh, can you just train me to one iron man and my back hurts? I've got scoliosis or whatever. I've trained them to four five or six of them. <laughs> and so, right. um, but I love this approach because I have found just over the years that sometimes there are people that can't handle just volume and mileage and their bodies can't handle it. But yet this still gives them an opportunity and anywhere from the individual who just wants to participate to, like I said, a professional, I'm right now working with a professional who thought their their career was ending and it doesn't necessarily have to be. Yeah. Well, that's great. Great, great, great to hear. You know, with, uh, obviously we're in tough times with COVID. There's maybe a light of the tunnel. We're seeing things get better and the the vaccine, et cetera. What are you most looking forward to if we are back to a full race schedule, no restrictions? What have you most missed during this time? I think it's the camaraderie. Mm. I think the isolation for athletes and coaches and everyone has been really, really hard. I know that is more so than COVID. Uh, The challenges of isolation have been far more detrimental to individuals that I've worked with or are in close relation. And um, I, I'm really looking forward to people having the ability to access other people. I think right. we're Those, missing that. Yeah, group group training, even the beer after the training. <laughs> but that's just it. I mean, that's as, that's that's even more valuable, you know, is, and I mm-hmm. remember that because I did bike racing at one point. Um, became a cat too. I mean, I, yeah, you know, you go for a long mm-hmm. bike ride and then you all just kind of circle the wagons somewhere and, yes. um, and people miss that, you know, there's Zwift racing and there's, you know, RGT racing on the bikes and there's some other things on the runs and, you know, swimming, not so much, which is kind of a nice latest sport anyway. It's kind of hard to talk unless you're with somebody with a kickboard, but, um, yeah. even afterwards in the locker rooms and like you said, the, the community aspect is what I am very much looking forward to having back. Yeah. A lot more award ceremonies where we can congratulate each other. Those are, For those sure. are fun times. Get back to. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Shelly, thank you so much for all your thoughts today. Uh, you know, how can people follow you? You said you weren't great on social channels, but how about the website, the YouTube channel? How can people contact you? Yes. Um, I do have a website. It's icononemultisport.com. Um, they, I do have the YouTube channel. It's also Icon One Multisport. There is a Facebook page, Icon One Multisport. I'm just like, I have an Instagram, Icon One Multisport. So I do have a few places that I can be reached and I do put information out there. I really do need to be better about it. Um, thank you so much for your time today and uh, hope to see you at an award ceremony someday. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Likewise. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Training Peaks Coachcast. For more episodes, visit trainingpeaks.com slash podcasts. Please head on over to Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you find your podcast to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. 
Until next time, get out there, train with purpose, and never be afraid to sign up for that next big challenge. 